0: This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker Spine and Orthopedic Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Steve Lucy, sports medicine and joint replacement physician at Atrium Health Wake Forest Baptist. Dr. Lucy, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today.
1: Thanks so much, Laura. Good to be with you.
0: Now, I know we have a lot to talk about. There's so much happening in the orthopedic spine and healthcare in general space, but before we dive into my questions, can you tell me a little bit more about yourself and your background?
1: Uh, Sure. I've been in practice in uh, Greensboro, North Carolina for 22 years. Um, My practice is focused on the knee. Uh, I do everything from, you know, young athletes and ligament reconstruction arthroscopy, et cetera, all the way to partial and total and revision knee replacements. So all ages, all comers, uh, but focused in the knee. Um, And over the past uh, five to eight years or so, Um, I kind of evolved in my practice um, to doing a lot more uh, medical direction, co-management in our hospital system, and then ultimately uh, leading a push to do outpatient joint replacement. So I've done a lot of, you know, just contract negotiation, working and aligning the different parties uh, involved with that, um, which has been a real fun thing to do instead of, you know, just taking care of patients, which I absolutely love. Um, it's made my job more interesting just to do a little bit more of the um, surgeon championing and leadership.
0: Absolutely, that's fantastic and obviously a really important step um, within your career. And so when you think about that leap from being primarily just seeing patients to then actually taking on a leadership role and leading a department and and really um, being in a space where you're working with others in a leadership capacity, what's different about that? What does it take to really be somebody who's effective in that role?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. So um, they are very, very different. The skill set to be a surgeon and take care of patients and focus on diagnosing and treating a problem is very different from trying to diagnose and treat a problem in the healthcare system. There's a lot more people involved. It's a lot more complex, but I think part of being a leader, being a good leader is being a good listener and making sure you diagnose the problem correctly. You can just put it through your filter and have your opinion, uh, but really leading means listening to the healthcare administrator, listening to the payer, listening to um, the administrators, listening to other surgeon colleagues, and then beginning to diagnose the problem and then developing a treatment where it's collaborative, where uh, all parties are aligned, where everyone wins and somebody's not losing. Um, so that's been uh, that's been a, a really fun thing to learn how to do. Uh, I'm not great at it, but I'm getting better. Um, I have had some success aligning parties, though, and uh, I think at the end of the day, people uh, feel refreshed um, when we can. You know, we used to consider other. Orth- I used to consider other orthopedic surgeons competitors. We're now absolutely aligned and more you know as partners. And I used to consider hospital administrators or commercial payers as kind of the enemy. And now I know many of them, and we, we work collaboratively to try to make, you know, our little corner of healthcare better.
0: Absolutely, that, you know, it's so interesting to hear, and it definitely seems like collaboration and that type of connection, it will be so essential to moving the healthcare system forward. Now, when you look at, it, whether it's the orthopedic and spine space or healthcare in general, what are some of the top two or three issues that you are really focused on today?
1: Well, there's a lot of problems out there for sure, and so I mean my lane, and it's a it's a pretty small one, but it's also a one that is uh, there's a lot of money involved. So the number one spend of Medicare is uh, hip and knee replacement, and so that's my lane. Uh, it's very narrow, but it's also very expensive. Um, I you know there are plenty of other issues and plenty of other population health management concepts, uh, but my particular lane. Is the progression of uh, utilizing the ambulatory surgical center, which is the lowest point cost of care facility to do that operation? How do we move the patients that direction? What are the hurdles? Um, you know, we have to be sensitive to the fact that if we move all the joints to the outpatient uh, center, then the revenue that was coming uh, to the inpatient facilities and the large hospitals who do indigent care and trauma and cancer and all these other important things, you know, we can't just take the revenue and expect them to survive. So there's a, a real responsibility to figure out, you know, how to not just pull the the rug out up from underneath our, our, our tertiary care centers, et cetera, uh, but trying to figure out the appropriate patients to do there uh, and the the volume that we can do there and then the complexities of having a pretty cumbersome service line of of joint replacement with all the instruments and implants, uh, trying to bring that to a freestanding surgical center presents some challenges at the center as well. And so I've been involved on both, you know, kind of both sides uh, of that. And, um, but yeah, that's the the lane I'm running in. It's very exciting. It's progressing. Uh, Definitely, definitely challenges. It hasn't been a rapid movement. It is still progressing. And so it's an exciting space to be in
0: absolutely and i think as you talk about the ambulatory surgery center space i know that you know it's gained a lot of traction um over the last couple of years during the pandemic especially when in in some places hospitals were not able to take some of the cases that they did in the past. And you know, obviously it wasn't a new procedure, total joints in, in orthopedic um, surgeries weren't new to the ASC at that point, but it seems like you know many people who might not have considered it in the past were able to jump in and um, wanted to be part of that space when they couldn't take their cases to the hospital. So when you look into the future, where do you see ASCs really headed? Um, what, what is really exciting to you about them?
1: Well, I mean, we've kind of proven um, that you know we we were doing. We started our program five years ago, and we did 200 joints in our first year, um, and we've doubled every year to where we'll do over a thousand this year. So that's a pretty quick you know ramp up of cases, um, especially when you're talking about total joint replacements. And we used to ask the question of who can we do, who is it safe to bring over? We want to bring over the healthier patients first. how they do develop pathways and protocols and so forth and they did great so then we began to do you know a few more and quote unquote push the envelope a little bit well the patients did wonderful and then the pandemic hit and then when our inpatient hospital shut down and we literally couldn't do patients we then began to ask a different question we began to ask who shouldn't we do and we began to do more and more patients with a few more comorbidities we actually developed a risk assessment tool to make sure that we were measuring things and that our outcomes were good, and that uh, we would corroborate with our anesthesiology team and so forth. And so, but just out of necessity of wanting to continue to do business and continue to help people with their hips and knees, we actually, you know, almost doubled our volume over the pandemic in the ASC. So, and then the the outcomes were fantastic. And so, we kind of just pandemic just kind of put lighter fluid on our local story, and that's happened around the country uh, in pockets where they had good outpatient joint replacement programs. Those joint replacement programs grew rapidly during the pandemic, but but the other scenario, which was more common, was uh, orthopedic surgeons did not have outpatient joint programs to take those patients to during the pandemic, and so a lot of them started and are just now kind of Getting you know, getting their legs beneath them and figuring it out, um, but it, the pandemic definitely uh, increased the um, you know the, the the conversation. You know, it advanced the conversation quite a bit around the country.
0: Absolutely, that makes a lot of sense. And how do you see outpatient orthopedics and ASCs um, changing and evolving in the next few years?
1: Yeah, I think there'll be. I think there'll be other stories like joint replacement. Um, I think probably, you know, you could look at spine. You can or you could certainly look at spine um, outside of orthopedics, though, looking at, uh, you know, the whole kind of the large service line of breast with breast cancer, breast reconstruction, etc. Those typically are in inpatient environments. Uh, they involve you know, nuclear medicine seeds and this and that, so they have to be attached. And I think those things will continue to progress. And you'll see service lines uh, move over to the ASC because it's so much cheaper to do that. And we obviously have a big, big issue in this country with the cost of healthcare. care. So, uh, yes, I think you'll see it in multiple, multiple specialties. And so I think the future of ASCs is absolutely enormous. And it will be very interesting to see what happens. Of course, you have states that are CON states and states that are not. Uh, so it will be very interesting to watch, but there'll definitely be a movement um, for more and more and more surgeries to be done in the in the ambulatory surgical setting.
0: Absolutely, that's great to hear. And it'll be exciting to see those trends form and play out. Um, Now, before we wrap up our conversation here, I was just wondering if you could share some of your advice for those physician owners and administrators who are just starting to bring outpatient total joint programs to their centers. What's so important for them to know as they're building out these programs and especially as they're thinking about the culture at their centers and in sustained success?
1: Um, Another really good question. And I would say what what we say uh, here often and when I'm asked to speak in different places about this you know, we, we say the secret sauce is really the surgeon champion. There's other secret sauces once you have the program, like you have to have a concierge level of care with, through case management. But if you're going to have a program and you're actually going to move volume, move patients, so the commodity we're talking about here are patients. Obviously, we don't view them as a commodity, but in this situation, from a business perspective, the commodity is surgery. And if you're going to move surgery, you have to move the surgeon. So if you're going to move the surgeon, you have to have a leader who understands the, you know, the business concepts and value-based care and who can, you know, create alignment with his other surgeon colleagues in his area, other surgeon, you know, shareholders in his center and help lead. You can't have an administrator trying to convince a surgeon to take his surgery and his patients somewhere different. You have to create some, some measure of, Uh, you know, alignment with a surgeon champion. So my, my advice would be find the surgeon champion first, begin to develop a relationship with them, begin to talk with them about, you know, these concepts, uh, uh, you know, ask him, what would it, what would it, what would it take? What kind of incentive, what kind of alignment would it take for you to move volume to the ASC and then really use that surgeon champion to share the message in your, you know, in your facility, in your uh, location.
0: That makes a lot of sense. Dr. Lucy, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a really fantastic discussion, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Great. Thank you, or You have a great day.